Welcome, you have tuned in to Quest for Truth. My name is Pastor Randy Skaggs. This podcast is designed to offer direction for our journey and to keep us from becoming disoriented. I trust that in the days ahead that you will find it very beneficial. I still believe. The text for this series is John chapter 8 verse 32. When Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Also in Psalm 11.3, it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? You see, this message and those to follow are probably some of the most important that I have shared. Well, for several years In America, there has been a plague that has been sweeping across earth. And now the stage is set for acceleration in 2021. I'm not talking about politics, but I am talking about a spiritual struggle. You see, the challenge before us is going to require us to be prudent, knowledgeable, wise, watchful, And above all, steadfast. You see, first of all, we see the assault on truth. In Psalm 11, verse 3, it says, David says, If the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? You see what this does. David is reiterating an assault on the foundation or the foundations. What is the foundation that's being destroyed in America today? Well, we'll find it in the uh, words there, foundation. That Hebrew word means the settled order of things. The settled order of things. You see, David likened society to a building. And the unscrupulous men in the previous verses before these were undermining the settled order of the throne, being assaulted, thus creating chaos. You see, in society, the building blocks or the foundations in our culture are law and order and justice and truth. And what we're finding is is that we have unscrupulous men and women who have set out to destroy truth. In fact, John Phillips has said that in the original text, the form of the question is such that David can find no answer, meaning this, that if the settled order is disrupted or destroyed, what then? What are we to do then? Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth in John chapter 14, verse 6. You see, then what this passage does, it also illuminates the assault on truth. Someone has said that there are three types of people there that day when Jesus was speaking. Those who heeded, those who hindered, and those who hated. You see, in John chapter 8, verse 37, Jesus spoke these words, You seek to kill me 
because my word has no place in you. He is truth. His word is truth. And their goal was to dispose of truth, to kill him, Jesus. You see, the assault on truth is a direct assault on Jesus. However, it's interesting that when David is sharing these words, he comes back in verse 4 to his original position. And he says this, he says that he will place his trust in God and he will prepare himself. You see, what it was was in that passage, there were evil men who were seeking to destroy or to kill David. In fact, in the previous two verses there, he is talking about the fact that they would draw back their bows and that they were shooting arrows uh, as if it were in the night, meaning continually he never knew where they were coming from and there was a direct assault on his life, which was the settled order of things. Because if you remember correctly, Remember, Saul had been the king. His lineage should have followed in his footsteps. However, because of Saul's sin, David was anointed to be the king and to sit on the throne. That was the settled order of things. And they had set out to destroy that foundation. It's interesting, and I'm just going to throw this out, that there are a couple of books that I recommend that you look into purchasing and reading. One of them is by Dennis McCallum back in 1996. He wrote a book entitled The Death of Truth. You see, even back then, he saw what what was happening to America, the American church, and the American culture. And another one is F. Leroy Fourlines wrote a book entitled Quest for Truth. He was my theology professor, a great mind and a great thinker in this area. The third thing I see here is that it introduces the assault on truth. Psalm 11 introduces to us this assault. Do you believe that there is a struggle between good and evil? You see, I still believe in the battle of good and evil, of Lucifer versus God, of Satan versus God. You see, it existed and began in the heavenlies with Satan or Lucifer's attempt to overthrow God. Remember, he wanted to become like God. Also, I believe it existed at Calvary. You see, in John chapter 12, verse 31 and 32, Jesus says these words. Now, this is the judgment of this world. Now, the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, 
I will draw all peoples to myself. You see, this he said, signifying by what death that he would die. What he is talking about there is the fact that this is going to be a judgment upon the world that Satan would be cast out of heaven. And Jesus is talking about his own death, the crucifixion there at the cross at Calvary. Because it says there, by signifying what death, he would die. Let me ask you a question. Has any event occurred in history that would discontinue the struggle of evil versus good? You see, if any, it would have been at the cross. However, the cross served only to escalate the struggle. The idea here is not the defeat of Satan would end active evil in the world. The thought is is that Satan was decisively condemned by Jesus' death on the cross. The death of Jesus judged him. John 16, 11. Knowing he had been judged, see, would not have dissipated the struggle, but it would have escalated the struggle. And not only at Calvary, but in the book of Revelation, it escalates even more. There are two more times that we see that Satan is cast out. You see, I still believe There is an evil who desires to overthrow God's kingdom today. Again, I'm not talking about political kingdoms. I am talking about the spiritual kingdom. I am talking about God's kingdom. In fact, in Ephesians 2, 2, Paul reminds the the Ephesians, he reminds them of the past. He said, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And then in 6.12 in Ephesians, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, Paul speaks of the prince of the power of the air. He speaks of the conflict that exists in the unseen world and that spills over into the reality of the seen world. And then Paul admonishes us in Ephesians 6, 14 to stand. Stand and gird yourself with what? Truth. Truth. You see, that's what the battle is over today in America, in a spiritual battle. It is over truth. What is truth? Then we see, second of all, the armament that is used against truth. You see, it says, if the foundation, truth, is being shot out from beneath us, 
it may pay for us to see how that is being accomplished today. You see, I believe in observing our culture and observing the way things are going in the church today, that there are two implements that are being used against the genuine church of God. First of all, it is a thing called cancel culture. The second implement is a thing called progressive Christianity. The question is this, how do we meet the challenges of cancel culture and spiritual progressiveness or progressive Christianity? First, we must understand what it is. You see, cancel culture, it is the intolerance of opposing views and silencing open debate or discussion. Let me say that one more time. That cancel culture is the intolerance of opposing views and silencing open debate and discussion. You see, we see that in our culture today, that there is a side that wants to preach tolerance to us, yet they are the most intolerant of all. And they want to shut down any opposing views because the truth will prevail. And they want to silence open debate, open discussion. Well, the second implement, which is progressive Christianity, defined it is the abandon of absolutes, the adoption of all-inclusiveness, and affirmation that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience God. Again, Progressive Christianity is the abandon of absolutes, the adoption of all-inclusiveness, and affirmation that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience God. Regardless of our the attack that is upon the church and upon people's personal faith, the ultimate goal we need to understand clearly, it is to deceive us, to abandon the faith, and ultimately abandon God. That is the goal of both. And if you don't think that's a problem, let me remind you that that was a problem for the Apostle Paul when he addressed the Galatians in chapter 1, verse 6 through 10. He was telling them that they had received the gospel message from him or the truth from him. But they had left that gospel message, that truth, for another truth which was not the truth. You see, I'm afraid that we are seeing that in many of our churches today. The attack upon our Christian faith is coming sometimes by those who call themselves 
Christians. But they had once embraced the truth, then they traded it for another truth that is not the truth. What about Demas? When Paul addressed that, it said that Demas forfeited the truth because he loved the present world more than he loved God and the things of God. Therefore, Demas forsook his role and probably the faith. The Bible never goes on to record whatever happened to Demas. But we do know this, that it was working in his heart and because he loved the present world more than he loved God, he forfeited the truth. And then Paul tells us in the latter days, part of the last days, remember that the last days refer to the days beyond the cross, from the cross until now and until his coming. But it was also regarded as a time of the latter days, which meant the closer to his appearing. Paul tells us that in the latter days of the last days, that many will do the same. He said that having itching ears, that they will depart. You can find that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. He says this, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, meaning truth, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from what? The truth. And be turned aside to fables. That's what progressive Christianity is all about. Turning you to fables. So, a common phrase that I am hearing today and I'm not happy with is this, is that there are some churches who invite you in and entreat you and then they say, oh, we will help you find your truth. We will help you find your truth. Let me remind you that there is only one truth. It is not a truth from within, but a truth that is found only in God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the truth, not a truth. You see, Paul warns us that there, or not Paul, but Jesus warns us in Matthew 7, that there would be those who would come among us in sheep's clothing, but he called them ravenous wolves. Interesting. Because 
There have been many who have infiltrated the church of God today. God's people. And they come as sheep in sheep's clothing, but they're wolves wanting to destroy and cause you to abandon the faith. My friends, we must give this attention in our own personal lives and in our relationship with God. You see, that's why I say I still believe. I still believe. And I understand that this coming year, in 2021, that the stage has been set for a greater attack upon my personal faith than ever before. But I still believe. You see, that's why earlier I said the challenge before us is going to require us to be prudent and knowledgeable and wise and watchful and above all, steadfast. You see, we must be courageous and stand up in our hearts and say, I will still believe in spite of cancel culture and progressive Christianity. You see, I I still believe God is searching and calling for worshipers, participants to worship Him. And let me remind you, it's not a performance-based Christianity. It is a participation sport. Many have left this partition, uh, participation avenue and have gone to one of where you come and you become a spectator. I don't think God's interested in us being spectators. What God is interested in is us, us participating in worship. And I have to say that much of the new church movement, as I call it, And uh, what we're witnessing today is a very man-centered worship in content and in expression. Oh, I like expression. Oh, I, I like to express myself. God is an expressive God. I'm not talking about that. But listen, our expressions should be not about ourselves, but should be solely about Him. And our content needs to be about him and not man. We need, God has created us to worship him, commune with him, surrender to him, and no other. You see, God is to be priority. You know, in the Ten Commandments, when God said, I will have, you will have no other gods before me, what he was really saying was, is that you will have no other gods in my presence. You see, our sole focus is to be on him, not ourselves. You see, by believing, we must know the truth and then allow it to cause us to live in spiritual freedom. We must guard against living in ignorant anger, but live in knowing what and who we believe and why we believe it and why we believe Him. We cannot allow our faith to be weakened 
but use this time to strengthen ourselves. We must, we must stand steadfast, immovable, but doing so in grace. The third thing is the achievement of truth. He said, you will know the truth and what the truth shall make you free. He is talking about emancipation. I have found in my life, there is only one thing that emancipates me, and that is the truth. The truth of God. And knowing Him as the truth. Satan and unscrupulous men's goals are to enslave us and to bring us into bondage. And first of all, they do so under the disguise of a falsehood and fake freedom. For instance, again, a key phrase among the new church movement or the progressive Christianity is is that we're here to help you find your truth. And again, there is only one truth, and it can be found in Jesus alone. The progressives would say I'm dogmatic, narrow-minded, but my friends, I know what it is to be set free. And there was only one person and one thing that could ever set me free from my sin, and that is Jesus. Progressive Christians, see, they remove absolutes, foundational structures. If you will, they remove the settled order of things. Things that have been ordained by God himself, not man. Things like the scriptures. Things like the church in general. Let me remind you of what Leroy Fourlines once said. Truth is unchanging, but the scene to which truth addresses itself undergoes change. You see, not the truth, but the scene or the culture. The culture changes, he's saying. But the truth that must be applied to the culture never changes. But see, we are living in a new world, and that has been the attempt Let me close by saying that truth always liberates. People are confused on this statement. Because while having the common ingredient of sin and the need for redemption, you see, they are accepting a change in the truth instead of simply recognizing a need for us to change our approach. You see, sin's a common ingredient. People are still sinful. We still have sin in our lives. And I understand that that is not a popular word or phrase in our culture. 
to say that we are sinners or we have sinned. But that is one of the common ingredients of all time. You see, our culture may change, but the sin issue never changes. And the other thing that never changes is our need for redemption, which can only come through Jesus Christ. Yes, we may need to change our approach of sharing the truth, but we must never, ever change or attempt to change the truth. Thank you for being with us today, and I trust that you'll listen in to the messages that will follow.